Welcome in to the Chief Zone Podcast. Back out of here once again. My name is Farzi Vasugian, the host of the Chief Zone Podcast, back from vacation. Hope you guys all had a great week. I know last Wednesday, the day I actually left for vacation, not the uh, prettiest night in Kansas City with the weather, but overall, it sounds like very minimal damage was done, which is good to hear. I mean, that's really the best you can hope for when uh, you hear about severe weather like that. But nonetheless, hope everyone's safe. Hope everyone had a great weekend. Uh, back here to discuss so a lot of Chiefs news since we've last done a podcast here. A lot to get into. And one former Chief who has jumped to another team within the AFC West. And there's a lot of, re- lot of interesting reaction about that. Plus, one former NFL player trying to make a comeback. And I didn't really know about this, but there is a current NFL player who is suspended. I'll tell you who. Plus, there's one story that I want to follow up on that we talked about around the NFL earlier this year. A very interesting story that has a new chapter to it. And it's not a good look for the NFL. A lot to get into here on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast, you guys know how to reach me. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. That is my Facebook page. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. You guys can email me, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. Spread the word. Share it online with your friends. Share it on social media. And let them know about the Chiefs Zone Podcast. All right, let's get right into it, because there are a lot of things to get into with the Chiefs. A lot of activity, a lot of movement with the Chiefs this week, and of course last week. Didn't get a chance to discuss their undrafted free agents, so I want to get into that as well and give you some some of my thoughts on some of the free agents the Chiefs brought in. But first thing I really want to discuss, and I don't mean to bring the podcast back and uh, start things off on a negative tone, but... There was a story out there, and when Chiefs fans heard about this, there was a very negative reaction to this, and I can understand the, the, the sadness of this by some fans, but some fans took this to a very personal level, and we need to have a serious discussion about this, and I'm referring to Derek Johnson, of course, Played for the Kansas City Chiefs for 13 years. Drafted out of Texas, 2005 first round. Spent all 13 years here in Kansas City. Of course, was cut right before free agency got underway. Was released and went on to sign with the Oakland Raiders. That is official now. He is now an Oakland Raider. And there are a lot of Chiefs fans who, a lot of them were sad and upset uh, I, I remember I mentioned the report that he's visiting the Raiders. Somebody had posted, you know, a funny uh, GIF, GIF, I don't know what you call that. I, I call them GIFs, uh, of uh, Woody from Toy Story. And the caption said, after all we've been through. I mean, that, that's a funny thing to chuckle about. Uh, so, so I don't have a problem with fans who are sad to see him wear a different jersey Within the AFC West. I and mean, look, you, you have the right to feel that way as a fan. And that's totally normal to feel that way. Look at Marcus Allen when he went from Oakland to Kansas City. Marty Schottenheimer going from Kansas City eventually to San Diego. Now LA, of course. But you get the idea. We've seen division uh, changes, or not changes, I guess. Uh, players and coaches going to a different team. Quite a lot. Look at Richard Sherman, who was the face of the Seattle Seahawks for a few years. And now is with the San Francisco 49ers. Let's not forget about Brett Favre, who probably has the biggest, or rather, he's known for the biggest switch going from one division team and staying with the division. He was with the Jets for one season, but then he returned to the NFC North, uh, playing for a big rival of the Packers. And that got a lot of reaction from Packers fans. I just want to start off by saying this. 
And I don't mean to start things off on a somber mood like this, but this is a very serious discussion that we have to we have to have as as fans and as human beings. Cuz you can be a sports fan, but that doesn't mean you go insane and not forget about the human element in all of this. Because I've got to say this to me is embarrassing as a Chiefs fan and as a sports fan and as a human being. Derek Johnson signing with the Oakland Raiders, he made a choice that he felt was best for him. He got released by the Chiefs. Essentially, he got fired by the Kansas City Chiefs. He went unsigned through free agency and all the way with the with the draft coming up and during the draft didn't get signed and it took him about a week after the draft to sign with a team. And that team ended up being the Oakland Raiders who offered him a lot of money and have a great head coach coming back in John Gruden. And Derek Johnson had said in a, in, in a report that John Gruden in Oakland played a big part in him signing with the Raiders. Criticizing Derek Johnson... For a personal decision. And of course you know there's the business aspect of this too. Which impacts these these players and coaches and GMs personally. When they're making a decision of where they want to go. Criticizing DJ for a personal decision that he thought was best for him. Is a very heedless thing to do. Larry Johnson tweeted... Uh, uh, shortly after this had happened, a couple of days after, he tweeted that he almost signed with the Oakland Raiders instead of the Washington Redskins. And he was very nervous. Uh, Knowing what he knows now about DJ, he was very nervous to see the backlash he would have received had he signed with Oakland. And I understand his situation was different. He left Kansas City on bad terms. However, love him or hate him, LJ made some great points when he talked about how uh, just how ridiculous it is for fans to criticize Derek Johnson for this. Derek Johnson does not have to please Chiefs fans nor any sports fan out there. When he is making a personal decision, he's making it for himself and his family. Those are the only people that he is obligated to please. If you're sad or upset he's a Raider, that's fine. Yeah, That's part of being a fan. When you see a switch like this in a player's career going from one team to a division rival, I mean, that's part of it in being a fan. That's okay. However, criticizing him and bashing him for his personal decision... Saying, I, I've seen people say that his his legacy as a chief has changed or is tarnished. If you're saying these things, you are a big problem. You are a big problem in sports fans and in society as a whole. We see professional athletes a lot of times not want to connect with fans. And social media, which a lot of players have it now, social media forces you to have that connection with fans in some shape or form. And the way some Chiefs fans are, and I don't want to say all Chiefs fans, because not all of them are, are reacting this way, but there are some, and if you're listening and you've... you, you, you Everyone knows... If this is, if this is them or not, if if they are, if you're the target audience, I'm 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 uh, talking to here. This is a great example of why athletes don't want to connect with fans sometimes because of how personal they take things. And let me just say this, and and look, I'm not going to be very nice with what I have to say, but listen, as fans. We bitch and moan, you know, after a loss or after a really bad play call, whatever. You know, Andy, if you want to criticize Andy Reid for terrible play calling and want him fired for that, fine. You want to criticize Alex Smith 
for not putting the Chiefs in position to win and not helping the Chiefs go far in postseason games. Okay, fine. You have the right to criticize players and coaches for these kinds of things as long as you don't make it personal. There are some people out there to play devil's advocate. There are some people out there who might say, well, Alex Smith has a a wife and two, three kids and that his family will see this and it's not fair to criticize. Listen, I cannot think of someone's family when they're making millions of dollars and not playing up to the standards that some of us would like for them to to play at. Uh, you may remember Gary Lezak, uh, meteorologist for uh, the NBC station in Kansas City. He had when Nick Folds was filling in at the time for Al, uh, for Alex Smith. Uh, Folds showed some flashes in this game. Uh, definitely did not show any signs that he would ever be a Super Bowl MVP the following year, but nonetheless, he showed some flashes with this offense, and Gary Lezak made a comment saying that, hey, this offense looks, and I'm paraphrasing here, said something to the effect of how Nick Foles is doing good with the offense and is doing better than what Alex Smith could do. Elizabeth Smith, Alex Smith's wife, she was pretty upset about it and actually lashed out at Gary Lezak for this. Again, I th- I don't think Gary Lezak said anything out of line. You can when you, you people have the right to have an opinion and to as long as it's fairly done and not done in a personal manner to criticize athletes, coaches, general managers, owners, whoever. You know these guys are making a lot of money. Their their money is coming from you, so you have the right to criticize these guys as long as you're doing it in a professional and fair and and, and and not in a harmful manner. Uh, the problem is, some fans do this. Some fans do attack these athletes and coaches and make it per- more personal than it should be. And that is a big reason why a lot of athletes probably hate this aspect of the industry they're in, in pro sports. I mean, look at Russell Westbrook. Uh, not that I would defend what he did, but I can also understand his frustration in this. When I, I think the Thunder had lost, they actually got eliminated in the NBA playoffs. And there was a fan. I don't know if this is a Thunder fan or a fan of uh, the opposing team. I don't. I don't know who the. I'll be honest. I haven't followed the NBA playoffs as much as I've followed the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, but regardless, the point is, a fan held uh, his phone or camera. Right up to Russell Wilson's face. About an arm length up to his face after a loss. Why? What what close-up do you need of Russell Westbrook's upset face after he just lost and has been eliminated from the NBA playoffs? Look at LeBron James when he left Cleveland to go to Miami and just how many people... Made it personal, burning jerseys and just the just the negative. And I understand the way he did it. I'm not a big fan of. I understand that the hour segment, it, 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 a lot of money was made and it was for charity. Okay, I get that part of it. But at the same time, it's not like LeBron James needed to make a one hour television program to donate money to charity. He has a lot of money already, and so does ESPN. So. Uh, again, again, I digress. I don't want to get too much into. It. My point is, when LeBron James made that decision to take his talents to South Beach, a lot of angry Cleveland fans, a lot of people took it very personal. When it never had to be like that. I want to go back to the whole Jamal Charles incident where he signed with the Broncos and he made a comment saying, "I've always wanted to be a Denver Bronco." And I've said before on the podcast, I don't. I, I never had a problem with that. Because number one, he's probably saying it just to get Broncos fans pumped up. I mean, people have got to remember, Jamal Charles cannot just think about Kansas City Chiefs fans when he's, when he's with another team. I mean, he's moved on from that chapter of his life and now he's, and well, he was in Denver. And he's got to win over some Broncos fans. Because Broncos fans have spent a few years hating him because he's gashed through so many of Denver's defenses that now he's got to try to win him over. And I understand last year was not a good year for Denver nor for Charles, uh, but you get the idea. 
Chiefs fans took it so personal uh, with the whole Bronco comment. Why? Why is Jamal Charles uh, saying that he's always wanted to be a Bronco such a harmful thing in your personal life? Why? Why is Derek Johnson going to the Oakland Raiders playing such a big impact on your personal life? Not your... Not your uh, life as a sports fan. I'm talking personally. And I'm saying this because there are some morons out there that are taking this too personal, criticizing and bashing him for playing for a division rival. Why? Why are you taking this so personally? There's no reason for anyone to take It's a sport, people. Quit taking sports so personally. If you want to be pissed off, after a loss like the Titans lost or the Steelers lost last year in the in the back-to-back postseasons, that's fine. Those were two embarrassing losses that you should be upset about. But to you know, nowadays with sports, when a kicker misses a field goal, people will send tweets saying, "Oh, go eat bleach, go die." I hope your family gets a. I mean, just horrendous things that people will will say about an athlete. That's a different kind of anger that is uncalled for. Again, you know who you are if you've said these comments. But if you are bashing and criticizing Derek Johnson for a personal decision that he made that he thought was best for him when the Raiders offered him probably more money than anyone else, you are part of the problem with society. You know, we we're already dealing with enough here. There are so many bad things going on in this world. Politically, as a society, we are forcing a divide among ourselves. I, I saw an article, or not an article, rather, a Facebook post of a soldier whose flight was delayed and he could not get home on time for the birth of his child. And instead, uh, he was FaceTiming with uh, other family members so he could witness the birth of his child. And again, the point I want to get at here is because we all know there are always there always has to be these Facebook comments. The first Facebook comment is someone making it a political thing, talking about Republicans and Democrats. And again, I don't want to get political, of course, but my point is, no matter what topic it is out there, people have to force some sort of a divide. They have to create some sort of controversial angle. With humanity. And I don't understand why everything has to have a negative angle from people. Again, Derek Johnson being a Raider is not an easy thing for Chiefs fans to take. I'm not saying cheer for him and congratulate him. Uh, As Chiefs fans, you're probably going to be a little bitter about this. As a sports fan, that's fine. If you take it personally, that's the issue here. And I should not be spending the first 18, 19, 20 minutes on this because this is common sense here. This is humanity we're talking about. This is not even a sports subject here. There are idiots out there who are taking this DJ to Oakland event too seriously, too personally, and it's embarrassing. And if you are one of those people who took this personally, and if you criticized him, whether you tagged him on Twitter or not, or, or however, you need to reevaluate your life. If you take sports, this personally, and listen, maybe it's because of the fact that I'm a fan of KU football, the Royals, and the Chiefs. I'm used to seeing so many disappointing moments. To the point where I just laugh at these things. I don't know. I'm not sensitive like a lot lot of people out there. I'm just not. Uh, But if you are, you need to reevaluate your life. Because I really don't understand why people feel the need to get uptight over a personal decision. Let me say one thing about Derek Johnson and what he's done for this franchise. Let's not forget how Todd Haley treated him in 2009. Derek Johnson could have, and you know what, I'll take it this far, he should have absolutely left Kansas City after 2009, but he didn't. Of course, he had that incredible game against Denver that probably resurrected his career, 
saved him a uh, saved him at least for the time being a spot in Kansas City and then got it an extension at the time or the following season excuse me uh but there was a moment where Derek Johnson could have 100% left the Chiefs after 2009 he could have left the Chiefs after that horrible 2012 season the Chiefs had but he never did so so there are even better reasons as to why you should not even criticize the guy for Jumping to a, a division rival. Just sickens me that I have had to spend the first 20 minutes discussing this. We've discussed this on Facebook and Twitter. You're more than welcome to add on to anything that I have said. Uh, whether you agree or disagree. If you disagree, I really need a good explanation why. Again, we can disagree on a lot of comments. Such as quarterbacks or play calling. Whatever. Uh, but I think there are some things out there that we just cannot, that, that that just are not disagreeable. And people making personal decisions to better themselves, that's not a disagreeable thing. That is a personal deal that someone wanted to make. Derek Johnson didn't want to even leave the Chiefs. He got released. And I think people are forgetting that part. Let me know. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Twitter.com slash Farzine 21 and you guys can email me as well, farzine at farzinevesugian.com. And again, I apologize if, uh, you know, I started the first 20 or so minutes on a very somber mood. Uh, the, at the end of the day, folks, I mean, this, this, I, I acknowledge it's not a sports topic that we even discussed here. Uh, but the fact that this happened to me, honestly, is very embarrassing. And we see this a lot in sports. I mentioned a few examples out there with LeBron James uh, I mean, hey, even the year before when Chiefs fans were angry about Jamal Charles, and this needed to be discussed. It absolutely had to be brought up. Now that it's out of the way, let's get into the actual sports topics, the actual Chiefs football news that's taking place. And I'll go in chronological order here, because I know uh, the last time we've done a podcast, it's been more than a week here, uh, but there has been a lot that has taken place. Uh, for example, the Chiefs had they announced 14 undrafted free agent signings. I'm not going to go over the entire list, but I'll mention a couple of notable names here. For example, Byron Pringle, the wide receiver out of Kansas State, coming out of Tampa, Florida. Another wide receiver, Elijah Marks, played college ball at Northern Arizona. And the Chiefs also did bring in a tight end in Blake Mack out of Arkansas State, an Arkansas native as well. And the reason I mention these positions here specifically is which one of these guys could step up and crack that 53-man roster spot and maybe make some plays and show some flashes while playing with Pat Mahomes? Because I mentioned this again, this is a transition offseason in the NFL for the Chiefs. Because they're going from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes is going to need all the help he can get. I'm not trying to, and listen, I know I've said a lot of things about how Mahomes is going to need help. I'm not saying this because I think he's going to be a bad quarterback. But, you know, for, for a guy who's essentially a redshirt rookie in the NFL this year, he's going to need a lot of guidance around him. He's, he has a lot of great players, too. He's got a very supportive teammate in Travis Kelsey. Tyreek Hill, probably the most dynamic and explosive player in the NFL right now. Sammy Watkins, who was one of the better wide receivers a couple of years ago, has taken a step back, but with some experience in in a new, different role in Kansas City, I think he definitely can benefit from from this role. And Patrick Mahomes, he's got a lot of great guys around him to work with. And, you know, listen, uh, undrafted free agents, I know they're not the most exciting guys. If you got a local guy like Pringle from Kansas State, then, yeah, sure, sure, that, that makes things a little bit interesting here. But there have been undrafted free agents in the past who have come through for NFL teams. Not all of them get talked about. Some of them end up having phenomenal careers. Uh, there have been a lot of players in the past, by the way, who were drafted after the seventh round. And I bring that up because we don't have an eighth round anymore in the NFL. And the NFL draft, that is. Uh, and there have been undrafted players in the past who have done great things in Kansas City. 
For example, people um, forget this from time to time, but Priest Holmes was undrafted. And if you look at the uh, un- uh, the undrafted players from his draft class, he's probably the the most notable one. But there are some big name players uh, that went undrafted the year he played. For example, John Kitna started a lot of games in the NFL as a quarterback. He went undrafted. Chad Lewis, tight end for the Philadelphia. And these are players who have made the Pro Bowl. John Kitna never did, but some of these uh, guys did. Keith Mitchell, linebacker. Sammy Knight, remember that guy? He made a Pro Bowl at one point with the Dolphins before joining the Chiefs. Jake DeLome, a longtime quarterback in the NFL. Pat Williams, defensive lineman uh, with the Buffalo Bills. Also played for the Minnesota Vikings. He had a phenomenal career. Uh, stopping offensive players right up the middle. David Akers, longtime kicker in the NFL, had a great career with Atlanta and with Philadelphia. There were some great players that did not get drafted uh, the same year Priest Holmes uh, entered the NFL draft, and that was in 1997. So you have every now and then, and again, that's not to say all of these undrafted players will end up following suit but every now every once in a while every now and then you'll have uh players that are undrafted they make the 53 man roster maybe they don't become pro bowlers but they play a big hand in your team's success or they end up being one of the few bright spots let's not forget and i know he didn't have the greatest career but maurice leggett ended up winning the team's rookie of the year award when he was undrafted in 2008 uh, and he was one of the very few bright spots on the team uh, that year when they only w- won two football games in 08. Now, as far as what he's doing, I mean, in the CFL, I remember he, uh, there was one season where he led the CFL in interceptions. You get the idea. So you never know with uh, undrafted guys and if any of these guys could maybe pull through and help Patrick Mahomes out. Uh, this is also very interesting. The Chiefs added uh, LSU running back Daryl Williams, and they also added another LSU player, very similar position, by the way, uh, or or at least close in position, uh, LSU fullback J.D. Moore. So they got Williams, who played running back at LSU, and Moore, who played fullback at LSU. So I always find it interesting when when you see uh, teams that bring in uh, guys from the same school, uh, the same year. I always think that's interesting. I remember uh, th- there was this uh, three-year span where the Chiefs drafted guys in the LSU uh, from LSU in the first round: Dwayne Bow, Glenn Dorsey, Tyson Jackson. They also uh, brought in uh, Rudy Neiswanger, who was also from LSU. Uh, so th- th- there, there was that going on for a while with the Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, you see that occasionally. Uh, for example, the Steelers drafted a pair of Oklahoma State players. In fact, a quarterback-wide receiver duo. Uh, which that I'll actually be talking about later on in the podcast. But nonetheless, uh, those are the uh, those are some of the more notable names uh, among the 14 undrafted free agents for the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, the Chiefs have made some movements this week. The Chiefs, they released defensive end Rakeem Nunes-Roches. A lot of people were shocked by this, uh, and some kind of confused about this too. Definitely a head-scratcher. Therese Paler, formerly of the Kansas City Star, now with Yahoo Sports. A big congratulations to him, a friend of the podcast, uh, who has now moved on to bigger and better things in his life. Uh, still covering the Chiefs, but also covering the NFL uh, as a whole, too. Uh, he tweeted that this is due to cap reasons, uh, as Nunes Roches was set to make $1.9 million this year, and he was re-signed. Right before the second round of the draft, so very recently, and only to be cut just a week or so later, uh, just shows you how brutal the NFL business can be sometimes. I know we talked about Derek Johnson and that aspect of it, and here's another business aspect where things just don't go your way sometimes. You think that you earned your spot, but all of a sudden, next thing you know, you get blindsided with a, a move like this, and now... Rakeem Nunez-Roches is uh, a free agent looking for a new NFL team. Also, the Chiefs waived 
running back Akeem Hunt after he had reportedly failed a physical designation. And that is according to the NFL transaction report. And this was tweeted by Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. Uh, And Derrick also tweeted that the Chiefs claimed tight end Alex Ellis off waivers from the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Not a lot to really discuss about Ellis. Only one year in the NFL Again, with the Saints, six games, three starts, had three receptions for 11 yards, a former Tennessee volunteer in the NFL. Now, when I mentioned this part, and I'll get to Akeem Hunt in a moment, when I mentioned uh, this on uh, the Facebook page, a lot of people were confused over the fact that the Chiefs have now added another tight end. Uh, and the Chiefs also have a lot of running backs on the roster. People need to keep one thing in mind right now. The Chiefs have a lot of players at every position at the moment. That doesn't mean they're all going to make the the roster. I mean, NFL teams can sign up to, I believe, 90 players is the limit in the offseason. Eventually, you've got to trim that down to 53. Everyone knows about that. So don't be so confused and blown away if the Chiefs add another tight end or even a quarterback. That doesn't mean... You know, Patrick Mahomes' job is in danger, or that Tyree Kill could be on the chopping block. No, not at all. Uh, I think some fans don't understand. You've got to have 90, or you don't have to necessarily, but you can have up to 90 players uh, on your offseason roster. So why not fill it up, get as many as you can, and see who can shine the most? Maybe someone does impress you. Maybe at the running back position, as good as Shark Hendrick West was filling in for Kareem Hunt, maybe the Chiefs can find someone better. You may not agree with it. It may come off as a surprise, but there's a reason why you can have up to 90 players to to see to explore other options and see who's out there and who could potentially uh, sneak through and make some surprises. So don't get too caught off guard with the Chiefs adding another tight end to the roster. Now, I do want to talk about the decision to waive Akeem Hunt. Very unfortunate. He failed the physical. uh, And I said this recently that I think that the Kansas City Chiefs, they're set out running back. And I think Akeem Hunt, even though he may not be the top three guy, uh, one of the top three guys with Kareem Hunt, Spencer Ware, assuming that he would be able to play in week one. Uh, and Chuck Andrew Quest. I thought those were going to be your top three running backs, but I thought Akeem Hunt was a guaranteed number four because of his abilities as a kick returner. He finished fourth in the NFL in kick return average yards. So to see him fail his physical and end up being waived, definitely disappointing, but the Chiefs do have a lot of options as to who can replace him as a kick returner. Let's go to the draft, actually, to, to start off. The sixth-round pick, 196th overall, Traymond Smith, the quarterback from Central Arkansas, he has experience as a return specialist. So, And he's got a lot of speed, too, so he's definitely somebody who could come in and fill in uh, that role as a kick returner. Let's not rule out the possibility of Tyreek Hill going back to that role. Maybe not the most ideal situation, but if the Chiefs come to the conclusion that he can handle kick return, punt return duties, while also handling his duties as the number one receiver on this team, hey, look, I, I guess you you trust that and you move on with it. De'Anthony Thomas, he has not done a lot in the regular season, but the reason he's maintained a spot on the 53-man roster is because of his abilities of taking it to the house multiple times in the past in the preseason. So he's also an, uh, a guy who I think is a viable candidate to be the new kick returner on the football team. So the Chiefs have some reliable guys, and I think there's going to be some competition at that position in training camp. Guys like Traymond Smith, DeAnthony Thomas, uh, those are guys who are going to be competing. You, you never know if there could be another running back or uh, a defensive back, uh, or maybe another wide receiver on the team uh, who could challenge for that kick return spot. This preseason. So that's definitely something worth keeping an eye on with the Kansas City Chiefs. Let me know your guys' thoughts on all of these things that we have discussed. Facebook.com slash Farzi Like and follow me on Facebook. 
Follow me on Twitter as well, at Farzine21. Send me a tweet on there. You guys can also shoot me an email, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. couple of topics here. First one, former Giants wide receiver Victor Cruz eyeing an NFL return. Unfortunately, his career recently has been derailed with you know, lack of success. And a big part of that has been because of injuries. Uh, there was an article that, and I can't remember where this was from. I want to say it was NBC Sports. That suggested that he could end up in the AAF, also known as the Alliance of American Football. We've discussed this before. Maybe even the XFL if he needs to take another year off from the sport. Here's what I want to say about this. Uh, I, I think, you know, we, we, we can discuss guys like Colin Kaepernick, Tim Tebow. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't think of any recent Chiefs who could, uh, who, 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 who would really be qualified for this or could do well, but... You know, there are some there are some big name players who maybe they're they're not going to be able to return to the NFL or at least play at their best form that they at once played at. But maybe they can find success like that in the AAF or XFL. I think that's a big reason why we have these leagues, the minor leagues, I guess, for the NFL. Now, I mean, not directly for the NFL, but uh, that's that could be a, a very reasonable option for Victor Cruz if no NFL team is willing to. Give him a chance to return. One thing I do want to talk about is who is NFL ready? Uh, I didn't talk a lot about the other draft picks that took place, and we're not going to go deep into that. Uh, but I hate the term NFL ready. Pat Mahomes was supposedly not NFL ready in 2017 last year for his rookie campaign. There are, there, there are a lot of discussions right now about Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, and who is apparently ready and who is not. Folks, these are guys, these are quarterbacks taken in the top 10. If you draft a guy, especially if you trade up to draft a guy in the first round, let alone the top 10, he can't be viewed as a guy who should not start or not play in his first year because he's quote-unquote not NFL ready. Who is NFL ready? You tell me. Did people think Kareem Hunt was NFL ready? A third-round pick out of Toledo? I mean, look at the start he had, but also look at the brick wall he ran into midway through the year. I think we've... Nobody's NFL ready. Everyone learns as they go along with the process. Sure, Pat Mahomes probably learned a lot sitting back. And I think maybe that could benefit him in the long run. We'll see. I definitely would not be open if the Chiefs did that for a second year. No way. Uh, But fortunately, not the case. What is NFL ready nowadays? I think people take that in a very weird way, that term. And I don't think we even know what that means. Because quite honestly, nobody is NFL ready coming out of the draft. I'll tell you what the NFL is not ready for. They are not ready to take on this lawsuit against NFL cheerleaders. You may remember uh, a few weeks ago, we discussed a Saints cheerleader who was filing uh, a discrimination lawsuit saying that the NFL does not provide an uh, equal uh, employment atmosphere with men and women mainly discussing the fact that there are very strict rules against NFL cheerleaders. Uh, You may remember this. We discussed this. There are rules such as how uh, if an NFL cheerleader is followed by an NFL player, she must immediately block that player. In fact, they cannot follow any other NFL players. Uh, I'm assuming that's active NFL players. They cannot follow any NFL players, nor can they be connected with them on any social media uh, platform, which I think is very weird. Another strange rule against cheerleaders, if a cheerleader is at a restaurant or a bar, and if the NFL player shows up afterwards, the cheerleader must leave that building. 
And again, I, I was actually thinking about this before this news story came out with the with the Redskins cheerleader, which I'll get to. But if you guys have been to the cheese, now I'm just using this restaurant as an example. There are plenty others we could discuss. But there's a cheesecake factory at the Plaza in Kansas City. That is two. At least it's been a while since I've last been there, but I am assuming it's still two floors. Let's say an NFL cheer. Let's say a Chiefs cheerleader is on the second floor of that restaurant. She's out with her boyfriend or with her girlfriends, whoever whoever she's with, on the second floor. Let's say, and I'm just using this player's uh, name because NFL players are not all recognized very well because a lot of them have helmets. I'm just going to use this player as an example. Let's say Orson Charles, a third-string tight end for the Chiefs. Because be honest, how many of you guys would recognize Orson Charles if he walked past by you at the grocery store? Probably nobody would recognize him. He could he could go in and out of his home without being recognized or, or bothered for a photo or an autograph. My point is, if Orson Charles shows up, a guy who's probably not recognizable even to Chiefs employees... How is a cheerleader at fault, especially if he's on the first floor and she's on the second? I, I, at this point, you know, and by the way, this is an example, just to be clear. What fault could a cheerleader be at? Here's a different lawsuit from an NFL cheerleader, more specifically from the Redskins. And this one's a very serious incident here. Krista Aiken, a former Redskins cheerleader, is filing a lawsuit for having to pose nude in a 2013 photo shoot for a calendar for a team calendar in Costa Rica. Redskins cheerleaders, according to her, were asked to go topless, wear body paint with Redskins sponsors and FedEx Field suite owners, all of them men, watching this photo shoot uh, in Costa Rica, apparently. Aiken responded to a tweet, by the way, saying before the cheerleaders left for the calendar shoot. They had spent weeks doing test shoots and practicing, and cheerleaders had to volunteer ahead of time to have body paint on them or to go topless. Very interesting. Let's talk about this for a moment. What is the purpose of a cheerleader? Like, I mean, why do we have cheerleaders in sports? And in 2018... How much of it is cheerleaders trying to bring that attractive, good-looking attention to the sport? Because let's be honest about one thing. In MMA, when you see an octagon girl for the UFC holding the sign for round one, when she's walking around in... Uh, just a bikini and an underwear. That's all she has on, and she's walking around that octagon, and there are a lot of people in attendance who are whistling as they walk by. Is the UFC doing this because they want an octagon girl to inform all everyone out there that it's round one? No, they're doing this because they want a really cute girl to walk around the cage and hold up that sign and bring some, some sort of attention to during that 60 second intermission. Let's keep one thing in mind because and I have and by all means I am no expert on this. However, I do know that a long long time ago you know we we we've had cheerleaders for a long time, but we've had cheerleaders who have worn long sleeve shirts and dresses or pants Basically, showing very little skin. In 2018, you go to a college game, even a high school game. There are cheerleaders. And again, I I mentioned high school because there are girls under 18 that are doing this. You will see a lot of cheerleaders that show a lot of skin. And there's no doubt about it. There are a lot of guys who have their eyes on the cheerleaders and not at the action at hand. I'll be honest, I don't know the answer. I don't know why we have cheerleaders or what the purpose uh, cheerleaders bring to sports nowadays. Because 
if I have to be quite honest and tell you what I think the answer is, I think it's that sex appeal where cheerleaders are supposed to be the attractive part of the sport. I think there are a lot of people who take a issue with that. But let's be honest, folks. If we looked at uh, the... Now, obviously, the uh, uniforms change because it goes from fall to basically late summer to winter real quick, especially in certain parts of the country. Uh, If we looked at the uniform that NFL cheerleaders wore in week one in September when the weather is really good... I mean, they're 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 wearing almost next to nothing here. Cheerleaders are well aware that this is what they're signing up for. They're going to go out there, wave their pom poms in front of thousands of fans, and they're going to be wearing close to nothing. And there are going to be a lot of guys whistling at them, possibly saying some derogatory things that you know their family members might not be happy hearing about. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, I think it, today that's that's I don't I don't want to say that's what cheerleaders are meant for because look they're human I, I think people forget about that part too. Uh, but I think that's the biggest reason as to why people think we have cheerleaders is to have that sex appeal in the sport. Uh, otherwise, why why are cheerleaders posing nude for a calendar shoot? If you look at any of the calendar shoots for the Chiefs, for uh, for any uh, professional sports team, I don't think college teams are allowed to do this, but for a pro sports team, uh, I mean, you see these photo shoots, uh, whether they're in Costa Rica, in Mexico, wherever, uh, you know, they're, they're on the shore, they're at the beach, and they're all in bathing suits and all in very attractive photos. This is something that the NFL needs to clear up because they want to say football is family. But, you know, there are a lot of kids who see these things and, and some parents don't want their kids to be exposed to those kinds of photos at a young age. And that's understandable. Some don't care. Some do. You know, it's, it's all personal preference to me. At the end of the day, the NFL is in hot water right now. Asking cheerleaders to pose nude with a lot of men watching, that is a very personal issue. You know, the the specific rules on cheerleaders and what they can't and can't do in public if an, if an NFL player is around or uh, what who they can follow or not follow on social media and the standard that cheerleaders are held to but players are not, that is an issue. And the NFL needs to address this very soon because the next thing you know, there's going to be another cheerleader who is going to speak out because she hears that a couple of other cheerleaders have spoke out on this. And she want, wants to add on to maybe another story or another angle that has not been brought up. I know I spent a lot of time on this. But this is a very serious topic that the NFL needs to address. Let's go out of bounds. A lot of people are talking about LeBron James. This postseason. And I'll admit, I haven't had a chance to watch a lot of the NBA playoffs. Like I said earlier, I've actually been following more hockey than I have before. Uh, But LeBron has been incredible in the postseason so far. And this has sparked another LeBron versus Michael debate. And who's better? Here's my answer. Stop debating this right now. Debate this later. Because if you get too caught up in debating LeBron versus Michael, you are not enjoying the moment. And by the time LeBron's career is over, you're going to not remember a lot of his great moments because you were too busy debating who the better NBA player was. Stop with these Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James comparisons. Let LeBron James play out his career. And he's doing a lot of remarkable things that no one's ever done before. Sure, that could lead to a debate, but let's not get too caught up in that debate right now. Let's enjoy the moment and debate about all of this later. Because if we spend too much time debating on this, the coverage is going to shift from LeBron's great games to this stupid debate. 
that's we've had thousands of times. And really, I don't think we should even be having this debate until LeBron has announced that he's retiring from from basketball. Simple as that. One thing that we really got to enjoy, by the way, if you are a hockey fan, and I know we don't have a lot of hockey fans out there, but man, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, they've, uh, they're advancing now to the NHL Western Conference Finals, and this is all happening during their inaugural season. They finished the NHL with the best record in the regular season. They had the lowest odds of winning the Stanley Cup before the season got underway, with 200 to 1 odds. And of course the incident that happened with the uh, the, the shooting in Vegas in the fall. And uh, I saw a video released recently about how the Golden Knights have tried to bring that city together. After what happened and try to have that Vegas strong mantra. And it's really a special story. It really is. And even if the Golden Knights get swept in the Western Conference Finals. I think this alone is already one of the more inspiring stories and maybe the most inspiring story to see in sports an inaugural team play this way have 200 to 1 odds in winning the uh the stanley cup uh, by the way mark andre fleury the goalie for the vegas golden knights that guy is an absolute beast i followed hockey the international hockey such as the olympics uh and such uh, but, but, but I've never followed the NHL so closely like I have before. And watching Marc-Andre Fleury, I mean, that guy is an absolute animal. Was was voted into the NHL All-Star Game uh, earlier this year. And that just shows you uh, how fortunate the Vegas Golden Knights are to have a player like him in their inaugural season. Final subject I want to touch on on uh, this segment. And that is Joel Embiid, former Kansas Jayhawk. Played one year uh, for KU. And one of the more popular guys in the NBA right now for the Philadelphia 76ers. Listen, Joel Embiid's a cool guy, but settle down with all this trash talking and the process and everything going on. Your team was facing a 3-0 elimination uh, game. And you're talking smack to Marcus Morris, who's also a fellow Jayhawk. Not that it matters. I know from a fan standpoint it might, but... Uh, look, uh, and by the time this podcast is out, we'll see what happens with the 76ers, but you've got to limit the trash talking here. I think it's great what, what's going on with Philadelphia and how much that franchise has turned around, but slow down a little bit here. It, well, when you're down 3-0 in a playoff series, I don't think you should be talking a lot of smack with your opponents. I really don't think so. And I, uh, the entertainment of asking out Rihanna and that, that kind of stuff, that's funny. I, I think that's enjoyable and all, and that can... I mean, you people can appreciate him bringing that positive side of, of pro sports, but the trash talking, ugh, let's cool it a bit. Especially when you're down 3-0 and facing elimination. That's not the time to be trash talking. Final segment of the show, let's throw some penalty flags. Oh man, there's some drama in Pittsburgh. Ben Roethlisberger uh, thought the Steelers should have used a third-round pick on a player that, uh, quote, that can help the team now, end quote, and said the Steelers ended up drafting quarterback from Oklahoma State, Mason Rudolph, and also drafted his teammate, James Washington, uh, earlier in that draft, too. Uh, Rudolph responded and said it's not up to Ben Roethlisberger to teach him. Uh, obviously, it's expected that Rudolph is going to be the backup. Uh, and Roethlisberger also responded, saying that if Rudolph ever asks him a question about anything with the offense, he might just point to the playbook. Remember something similar where Kobe Bryant criticized the Lakers for drafting Andrew Bynum and how really that all panned out? I know that's a different sport. It's not like you can do a 2QB system and all of a sudden have respect for each other. Uh, but look, uh, Roethlisberger, I, I can understand him having an opinion, but at the same time, you've got to understand there's a reason why you're the quarterback right now, and there are other people within that Steelers organization, agree with him or not, there's a reason why they are making those decisions as to who to draft and not you. A lot of players feel like the, Aaron Rodgers, we discussed this with Aaron Rodgers recently, with uh, the Jordy Nelson departure, uh, players don't have these kinds of powers for a reason. 
they don't, and nor should they. I think people feel like LeBron James and Tom Brady have that power with their teams, but I really don't think they do. Uh, I'm sure they meet with them on certain things, but they don't have a a final say or even much of a say in these personnel moves. I really don't think they do. I think that gets blown way out of proportion. And I really, I think at the end of the, the day, Roethlisberger needs to just shut up. I know there are a couple of other QBs, so this was kind of a surprising move uh, for the for the Steelers. But this guy has hinted at retirement multiple times. If the Steelers want to have some insurance policies and drafting a QB being one of them, they have the right to do that. Otherwise, be crystal clear. Tell the tell the Steelers you are not retiring and you're going to play for ten more years. Otherwise, don't complain about it. It's not like someone's taking your job instantly. A lot would have to happen for that for that to be the case. This is just Roethlisberger complaining. By the way, I didn't realize this. Apparently, Roethlisberger blocks people on Twitter for just just, just randomly blocks them. So if you were to say go Chiefs and tag him, apparently he'll block you for that. I don't know. Uh, someone test that and let me know if he blocks you. Because now I'm kind of curious to know if that's the case. You guys know me. I hate it when players cheat. I hate it when they used banned substances when they shouldn't be. Saints running back Mark Ingram, he's facing a four-game suspension for violating the NFL's policy on performance-enhancing substances, PEDs, to be specific. The Saints had appealed. Uh, No change there, so the four-game suspension remains. Here's the worst part about all this. He was seeking a new contract, and now he is in no position to even demand one. Look, uh, these athletes know what they're doing with their bodies and what they're putting in them. They have to know. And now you're paying a big price in which you're not in position to ask for a new contract. That's all on you. And by the way, Adam Schefter tweeted a list of players that are suspended during the first four games of 2018. Uh, he had a fairly big list. On the list is, and I'm not qu- kidding, quote, free agent quarterback Mark Sanchez. Now, the story of him being suspended came out a month ago, and I missed it. But apparently, Mark Sanchez has been taking PEDs, and the NFL found out about it one way or another, and he has suspended for four games. I don't know how this works with a free agent. I guess it, you have to be signed, and then those first four games take into account. I don't know. Uh, I saw some someone tweeted on uh, social media that um, those are four games that he was not going to play anyway. So, uh, l- listen, Mark Sanchez, if you cannot even make an NFL roster and you're using PEDs, you're still a free agent and you get caught, you have to be the worst quarterback in NFL history. I don't think there's any other way around it. There just isn't. And I'm quite honestly, I'm mad at myself for missing the story that, that came out a month ago. Because I feel like I would have been one of the first people to make a joke like that and to bring this up on the podcast. But nonetheless, Schefter did tweet it out. And that was really the first time that I had known uh, that Sanchez was suspended. That, that's great. A free agent player suspended for PEDs. I never thought that was possible, but... Uh, if, uh, if Mark Sanchez can make it possible, hey, more power to him. More power to him. That'll do it for this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzee Vizugi and the host of the Chief Zone Podcast. Appreciate all of you guys for downloading and listening to the podcast. Let me know your guys' thoughts on everything we discussed here on this episode. You guys know the drill. Facebook.com slash Farzee Vizugi and Twitter.com slash Farzee 21 Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Subscribe to the podcast. Share the word. Share the podcast. Let your friends know about the Chief Zone podcast. Enjoy your weekend. We will have Matt Miller, NFL writer for Bleacher Report, on the podcast next week. And by the way, we're going to have kind of a different schedule for the remainder of the month. We will have uh, the Chief Zone podcast out on Tuesdays. And then I'm going to take a break uh, for the uh, first part of June or early part of June. And uh, I'll announce a specific date as to 
when the podcast will go on hiatus and when it will return. But nonetheless, for the month of May, we will have podcasts out on Tuesdays. And uh, next Tuesday, we will have Matt Miller on the podcast. Great friend of the podcast uh, and always does a great job with his analysis and always love having him here on the podcast. So he is going to be joining us and making his return to the podcast. So keep an eye out for that next week. Until then, once again, enjoy your weekend. I'll talk to you guys next week.